Hello, everyone. This is the PM versus PMM podcast, a podcast about products and product roles. My name is Aditi. And I'm Arjun. Aditi, I have a question for you. Are you ready for this week's question? Am I ever? (laughs) (laughs) Aditi, what music do you listen to? You don't want to know what kind of music I listen to. Oh, really? Why? I like old Bollywood. I I listen to like 50s and 60s Bollywood. Whoa, okay. That's <laughs> really old. But actually, that that music is very beautiful. So I love that music. I, my uh, my friend's dad really likes that music and he started getting into it like as a thing that he could do with his dad. And so he plays it sometimes like when he's with me and I'm like, okay. Cool. That's awesome. Well, so then 200 years before this t- genre of Bollywood music was the first ever customer support team. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about customer support. And for our news topic, we're talking about a new article that dropped on about ESPN that I think might make for an interesting conversation. All right. So let's talk about customer support. What was your first experience with customer support? Well, my first experience with customer support was through product marketing. Yeah. And just, yeah, as a product, as a product marketer. It was, it was my first experience, honestly, was working with customer support to understand how I can help them answer the questions they're getting better and create mm-hmm. whatever collateral they need and help them understand the product better so that they can explain it to the customers better. So that was yeah. my first experience with customer support. Working with customers directly was kind of later on when I like could understand the product myself a lot better. And then that's mm. what started going on, like customer calls. I actually didn't really deal with customer support as a product manager for a really long time. And I think the reason was, is because from a product perspective, it's kind of unsexy, you know, like there's, they're not innovating on, on the product customer support is like very reactive right like you when a customer comes in then you have to like talk to them versus strategic which is the type of stuff that product managers and marketers like enjoy and you're focusing on like the problems of your product instead of on the solutions which is kind of a thing that we should all be doing but it's definitely makes it less fun and so yeah like I think part of the reason why I never really went and looked at customer support earlier on in my career is because it's just not that sexy. Is would do you have a similar like thought process about it? I don't think so. Oh yeah. I, I definitely think that customer support is one of the most important things that people should be caring about. I agree that a lot of people don't care about it as much as they should, especially yeah. on product teams. But I personally have always it goes back to the one thing that I've been saying throughout this podcast, right? It's just customer, customer, customer. The more you know about the customer, the better. And there's no better way to know about the customer than going through the customer support team and talking about to the customer directly and talking to yep. them who are talking to the customer. Absolutely. So it's not unsexy in my opinion. It's It's a very important and very integral thing that everyone should care about. And it definitely yep. is something that will really impact your KPIs. Of course yeah and that, that way that, it's yeah. gonna be important for your role too yeah for sure and I think that like although I do perceive it as unsexy it is completely vital because like these are the customers that are taking the time to reach out to you and if you can satisfy them here right 
it's it's like rewarding like their high effort with effort of your own. You're going to get more satisfied customers. They'll be more loyal. They'll recommend your product more and they'll get you more feedback. And so like, it's literally all the things we want in a customer community comes from the customer support team. And if you have a culture that prioritizes customer support teams, you'll end up with better product success and higher customer satisfaction. And like, literally that's what we all want. And so if if you are like me and think that customer support is unsexy, I'm sorry to tell you, it's actually the sexiest thing because it's how we get awesome customers. What are what are some of the things Aditi, that like you would you do as a product marketer to help customer support? Well, one of the biggest things that product marketing really helps with is understanding the product itself, especially when it's a very technical product like I've worked on before. Mm-hmm. And it's it takes a little bit more to really understand how it works and how we can help the customer. So one of the biggest things that PMM would do is helping customer support representatives really understand what the product is. And then the other thing that we really help with is collateral. So, and that will help with cross and upselling. So that's a huge part of a customer support and customer success representative's job, right? Their mm-hmm. their their commissions depend on how many sales and cross sales they can do. So the better I can help them be able to do that, the happier they're going to be and the more they're going to tell me. So cre- creating that give and take relationship with the representatives is really important. Yeah. I think I think that's a a little tough part of it actually. Like for for product managers like the real important thing is almost kind of less in the grabbing the insights from those interactions and more about like the processes right like making sure that our product has channels towards the customer support team so that way like multiple channels diverse channels so that customers can figure out how to get access to the support team through whatever channel they prefer and then I feel like product managers do less in in actually helping uh, customers like with their issues like maybe like just from taking like okay here's the 10 issues that we had this month let's like build better product um, to avoid this you know like we there's that but um, there's less about the this give and take that you're talking about can you talk more about it well one of the things if your customer is coming to you with a problem more often than not, they're not the only one experiencing the issue. If, yeah. If they're coming to you, there's other people who are experiencing the issue. They're just probably not saying anything and finding a workaround while this customer has put in the effort to tell you what's going on. And if they're right. putting in the effort, there is a lot of valuable feedback that they're giving you that, yes, it can seem like they're criticizing the work you've done. But if you can make those changes and you can make those fixes, you're going to make a lot of people's lives easier and you're going to make the customer a lot happier. That's going to help you renew contracts. That's going to help you do upsells and cross-sells. It's going to do help you do a lot of um, great things to up, up revenue. And mm-hmm. customer satisfaction is one of the biggest metrics that most teams up in any um, company will look at. So keeping those scores high, CSAT scores are so important. And for give and take specifically, it's understanding what you need from whether it's an internal team 
or the customer itself? Like, what are you really looking for? Are you trying to understand what the, your product experience is like? Are you trying to understand where the issues are? Are you trying to understand what the stickiness of your new feature is? Whatever. If you're trying to understand those things first, you want to know, okay, so I've launched a new feature and how can I help the customer success team understand this new feature so that they can cross sell it, they can upsell it, or right. they can help expose current customers who might have access to it to help them understand, oh, you have this new feature in your toolbox now. Let's help you figure out how to use it best for your specific use case. So right. giving them the knowledge base and the toolkit to be able to do that is the first step that I would take before I ask them in return for feedback on a new feature. Right. So that's the give part yeah. that, that you mentioned. And then the, the getting the feedback is the, is the exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think you're very right about if one person's having the problem, then many others are right. And I think that like, there's a lot of great information that you can find by asking customer support teams. For example, we care a lot about metrics as product managers. So maybe finding out like what the customer support sees are the metrics that we need to be tracking, right? So like, let's say a lot of people have trouble with something in the product and it's coming up in customer support. Then we can put metrics around it and understand better like how many people there are. So even if, even if, we're in a more bureaucratic red tape organization. There's still so much useful information that we can grab from the customer support team. And these guys, like, obviously they know this stuff like the back of their hand. They're talking to customers the, the whole day. One one thing I had a question for Aditi is, do you think it's like in the product organization, both marketing and management, best interest to like, help customer support with like an efficient ticketing system? Or is that like very much a product customer support thing? And like, it's not worth getting in there for, for our roles. No, it's definitely worth getting in there. In our previous role, we saw a ticketing system for customers to send feedback directly to product, right? We mm -hmm. saw it, we saw the ticketing process, but the problem with that ticketing process that I felt was that someone had to manually go in and analyze every single ticket and categorize it. Yeah, if, this is product board, right? Yes, this was the product board tickets that we got directly from customers. So if we were able to create a better ticketing system where customers could maybe give you a high level idea of what category their problem was in or like what feature it was impacting or anything, a little more specific information around what the ticket was pertaining to could have yeah. helped someone like you go in and understand, oh, this is something that I probably should focus on in the next sprint, or this is something that I should maybe add to like a product feature if we're getting a lot of requests around something. So yeah, that ticketing process could have been a lot more efficient. It could have made your guys's at the product team lives so much easier, and it would have helped communication between product marketing and product management. So, oh, so actually ticketing process that helps customers get information directly to the product teams is an incredibly great solution. Yeah, for, for real. And actually we use product board quite a bit and they have with, with all this LLM, like product board specializes in like all of these are text-based yep. uh, ticket tickets. Right. And so now with the uh, product board is doing some really, really interesting stuff. Uh, 
with making their tools like so much easier to use because they can just like AI the whole thing and, and make it like really clear and clean for us, for us product managers and product marketers. I, I'm really looking forward to, to using product board again and all the new AI features when, when I can. But yeah, you're right. Like customer support isn't just the customer support team. It's, it's also the feedback tickets that we get from, from the customers. Aditi, if you were starting like a, a newer company, B2B or B2C, what kind of ticketing system, like what would you set up in your ticketing system for getting feedback? Like a- any important things that you have experience with? Well, it depends. I, I think the collecting feedback from B2B and B2C can be incredibly different. So yeah, for B2B specifically, I think assisted ticketing is in- important. So as- what I mean by assisted is either being able to have com- direct communication with either a uh, CSM or maybe a product person or a solutions engineer, whoever their point person is or point people are, speaking to them or emailing them or just like having a conversation about what problem they're like experiencing can really help maybe even mitigate problems that could can be solved without a product person getting involved, right? Mm. And so... I think a conversational solution that way of tackling solutions is more important in B2B because there tend to be more complicated problems and they are affecting multiple different parts and getting to the root cause of a problem can be a process rather than just, oh, I'm experiencing a problem here and this is where it needs to be solved. Whereas you see where problems usually tend to be a little smaller and very direct. So for B2C, I would rather have like a feedback or a reporting kind of structure within an app or within an, within an experience where yeah. you can send like small tickets directly to something like a product board on the other side where you can tell, oh, this button is giving me issues or this process is giving me issues. And you can, as a product person, can then go in and like fix whatever bugs are coming up. But Mm -hmm. that, which is, so this is why I think like B2B is more conversational and like you have to understand what the problem really is. Whereas B2C, it can be just like directly reported and you can fix them on your own. And the customer doesn't really have to talk to a customer success person as often. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a, it's a great point. Like, especially in B2B, like we end up doing a lot more handholding because we want those customers like to use the product really well. Whereas in B2C, like the, there aren't, customers are just like a huge group of people. So you can't really do that. And so the solutions are a, a little different. Thanks to the, the great conversation on support teams. And I think that support teams are a fantastic part of an organization, organization's product. And as product managers and product marketers, they're like, really integral to to like keep in touch with and and have a strong relationship with so if you're listening to this and you're a product person i really encourage you to think about how you can work closer with the customer support team or even yourself care enact some of the roles of a customer support team we're moving on to our news topic how do you watch espn at all when i was younger maybe once in a while yeah, ESPN is obviously the sports sports channel owned by Disney, and they 
are having some interesting conversations about like what they want the future of the channel to look like. I think they are really suffering from the shift from linear TV to streaming because ESPN, like people don't turn on the TV and, and switch to ESPN channel as much. They want to open ESPN in their app and, and do things. And so Disney, in this report, I read that Disney is really interested in some strategic partners for this transition to streaming. And there's some potential involvement from some interesting minority investors that Disney wants to bring on. If you were like, if you were having this problem, like, do you know what you would think of to partner with with anyone? I think... When it comes to sports and new ways of getting sports in front of people, the deal that the Miami soccer team made with Messi comes to mind, uh-huh. at least for me. That deal is unprecedented. Like no one has ever done a deal with a player in that way before. And what they did is not only does he have like not only is he on the team and getting a certain amount of like ticketing and profits from like the games but he's getting streaming profits mm-hmm. he has and it's not just like a certain number it's um a percentage he has a certain percentage partnership with apple for how much he's gonna make from streaming and that's incredible it is amazing he's gonna make a buttload of money and it's gonna be amazing and it's a great partnership for both apple and messi yeah messi is gonna make a bunch of money and apple is because Apple has brought the number one soccer player in the world into the States playing for a Miami team. And mm-hmm. that is just going to get soccer in front of a lot of people in the States like never before. So mm-hmm. I think that when it comes to sports, that is some that kind of a strategic partnership is what comes to mind. Like you have yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like culturally what's important for people. Yeah. And, and culture, the drivers of the culture are the actual athletes, right? Yeah. And it's always going to be that the athletes are who people are watching on, on the screen. And also like their voices are the voices that everyone cares about from like little boys and girls everywhere wearing like jerseys to, to even like grown adults who are just like inspired by the athleticism of of these athletes well we've struggled to pay athletes as much as they deserve so it's good oh, to be and they get, i'm getting paid a lot now yeah, well, they're, <laughs> they're starting to get what they deserve and it's great to see that yeah for sure so i didn't i i with uh, information from the article so espn i mean sorry disney is looking to get the nba and the nfl as minority investors as strategic partners and it's really interesting because that's basically what you said, right? Like getting players and the NBA and NFL as minority investors would it really help ESPN to like get access to all of the players. And I think that that's like a really, really, now that you mentioned it, I first I thought it was kind of dumb because like ESPN needs help. I don't, I, I, don't, I didn't really see how the I think NBA NFL, and NFL so NFL specifically is the biggest sport in the States and it's such a huge industry. They're very wary of where they invest. They very much stay away from any sort of controversial situations. So if they get on board with ESPN and Disney, then that can be huge for Disney. They're going to make, make a lot of money. I would argue uh, 
I would argue that the NBA actually has, especially based on the line of reasoning that you were talking about, about athletes, the NBA has bigger bigger brands for athletes than the NFL does. Just because the NFL, there's so many players. And so it's it's much it's much more difficult to advertise those players. Like only like the quarterbacks really get like the big brands. But with the NBA, there's a lot of players that have a huge brands and, and can really go viral. And so, and there's more games, there's, there's more content to be produced. And so, yeah, I think now that we talked about it, that's like really, really cool to, for ESPN to be able to like try to get these on. Although like as a strategic partner, it's kind of like weird strategic partners are a bit weird. And also the, like, the NBA and NFL make ridiculous amounts of money on TV deals with like multiple broadcasters. So being a minority owner of ESPN might like get the other broadcast services to to like kind of not be happy because both of these leagues make so much money off of TV deals. Yes, so I don't know how that would work. Streaming is important and streaming is like like you mentioned in the beginning of this section like streaming is the future of tv Mm -hmm. and if yes they're making money off of um tv deals today but i'm sure they've seen a like a gradual decline in how much money they're making on tv deals and they need to get onto streaming at some point somewhere they need to find a way to get onto streaming and this can be a great way because disney is becoming huge when it comes to streaming. well no so like the the leagues don't care about streaming right the leagues just sign the deals with all of these contracts like espn and nbc and all these other sports channels and the sports channels n- need to get on streaming but the but the nba and the nfl's contracts are like safe because it's the content rights right it's it would be it, interesting to see if there's any exclusivity when it comes to being a strategic investor in a streaming yeah platform. And and whether that will take away from uh, the other deals that they're able to sign, right? So yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know. Let's see. I think for ESPN, it would be really smart to try to get them, but like I don't feel like the NBA and the NFL, like it, it, they'd have to figure out something to be beneficial for both sides because otherwise you're just taking away money from the NBA and NFL. But uh, let's move on to fun facts. That was a great news topic. A good discussion. My fun fact is, do you know where the phrase it's raining cats and dogs came from? No. So apparently before we brought cats and dogs into the home, they'd be like domesticated farm animals and they would go in the barn. It would be really hot with all the other farm animals. So cats and dogs would climb and sit on the like beams of the barn on the on the in the roof. And when it rained, they like the roof might not be so great. And so the cats and the dogs would literally fall from the roof. And that's where it's raining cats and dogs came from. Oh my god, those poor cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? All right, mine's kind of similar. Mine's about biting a bullet. So it's a common phrase. I'm sure you've heard it. It's for something that feels unpleasant or difficult. Mm-hmm. So basically back in the century when they didn't have anesthesia and they had to perform surgery on soldiers, 
what doctors would do is that they, to distract the patient, they would literally give them a bullet to bite on so that they wouldn't scream and they wouldn't move as much. And that is where we get the phrase, biting the bullet. Mm, interesting. That's, I wonder how many like people's teeth like break from biting the gun. It was lead bullets too. It was yeah, but, a, a no, terrible situation all around. Yeah, that is true. Lead bullets as well. So you're likely getting transferred from that. Nice. I feel bad for the cats and the dogs and for all these people that actually had to bite bullets. Actually, a very apt phrase. Their lives were being saved and they were being killed at the same time, which is really weird. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really want to talk about products on this podcast. We're doing this to learn ourselves and express as well, express ourselves as well. We absolutely want to hear from you. Reach out to us on LinkedIn if you have any ideas. My name is Arjun Kalbergi and I'm with Aditi Patel. You can find us. We would absolutely love to have you be a part of our show. Aditi, what are you doing for the rest of the week? Working. Working. <laughs> Gotta get those hours in. Yeah, I have like a, this, it's this pitch week type thing for the accelerator program I'm in. So I'm like busy pitching all week. It's going to be really fun, but a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Have a great rest of your week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.